Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 450 of Longbox Heroes. I'm Todd with Joe. How are we doing today, Joe? This is just a normal episode. No 50 anniversary at this point. No, we're not going to marvel it. No, we're not going to do that. Right. But we but, could could if we wanted to. We could give this a lenticular cover. Mm-hmm. I and mean, we could have somebody push that lenticular cover for us. I remember we did that with like episode like 350 or something or 400. Yeah. I forget which one it was where we just made the cover like a little like silvery looking. The, <laughs> right. The, the show. The cover. The the show art. Right. We'll have to do that for 500 when we get May. there. We'll do gold or something. Oh, that's that's what I want. Silver and gold. But I was like, I was going to attempt to do the math of how many hours exist of us out here talking on the internet. And it's far too much for me to even fathom. Let's say a lot. Right. Well, we should even add more at that, you know. Ugh. We're crazy, son. But would you like to know what we have on the show today, Joe? I would. That's right. Um, in the news, we have two uh, comic book publishers merge like two houses in Game of Thrones trying to get bigger. Also, uh, what Marvel 1000 could be. Also, DC has a book pushback, and it may shock you at what book it is. Also, Marvel cancels something that was near and dear to our heart, and we're going to yell and scream about it. Um, comic news, uh, comic convention news. Uh, free books and sales. Also, what we read last week, which was Wonder Twins number four and Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man number six. What we're looking forward to this week. Uh, we also have an art attack or two, I believe. And at the end of the show, spoiler-filled talk of Legends of Tomorrow, Flash, and Cloak and Dagger. Oh, boy. That's a lot of stuff right here, Joe. What a jam-packed show. That's right. That's how we like them, packed with jam. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so let's start things off with that uh, comic company merger. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lion Forge and Oni Press have merged. Now, Lion Forge has been doing a lot of stuff with all ages books. Oni Press has a bunch of different properties. I'm almost certain that Oni Press does the Rick and Morty book, amongst other things. Wasn't Oni the one that Kevin Smith had something to do with in the beginning? Uh, the very, very beginning, yes. That's where the first Clerk comic was published, and he even did like a Jay and Silent Bob book in a Oni double feature. It was like a flip book of some sort of thing. Right. Uh, Greg Rucka did Stumptown over at Oni, and that's being turned into a TV show starring uh, What's-Her-Face, Robin Sprinkles, uh, Colby Smulders. Yes. Uh, so they had a lot going on, and then it appears as though with this merger, sometimes when a merger happens, nothing happens, right? They just kind of acquire some of the titles. I remember a while back, Oni acquired Arcadia or Acadia books. Right. And I think it was at the time Arcadia's main book that they had was Mouse Guard. Well, in the grand scheme of things, Mouse Guard was being turned into a movie. Oni 
purchases them, acquires them to get the rights to, to Mouse Guard, but now the Mouse Guard movie has been canceled, and that's not happening. That's right, because that was Disney, I believe. Right. And you can only have one mouse at Disney. That's right. The rest have. That's why the great mouse detective has been scrubbed from history. Right. So now with the acquisition of Lion Forge, the real thing that happened is it appears a lot of people lost their jobs. Mm-hmm. A lot of editorial people, a lot of publishing people, a lot of people stepping down. So as sad as this is to see, um, it looks like it's a lot of people from the Oni side that got let go. Right. Now, one can only assume that with this merger going through, I'm sure there's one or two folks on the high end of Oni, and they're bringing on all the Lion Forge folks, or a majority of the Lion Forge folks, probably because they're probably not getting paid as much, or haven't been around as long, That's or, true. you know, a variety of reasons. So when you see a, a merger like this happen... Uh, you want to hope that it's for for good, and I would hope at the end of the day it's for good, but for right now, you don't want to see people lose their jobs. No, you don't. Yeah. But like you said, that happens a lot. You know, happens a lot sometimes in mergers. Mm-hmm. But maybe they all get, maybe hopefully the, the, two, the company will get bigger and hire on a bunch more people. Right. As uh, we've mentioned in the past when we talk about the different conventions getting absorbed into each other. How mm-hmm. uh, the conventions are like the territory systems and wrestling from the 80s. Right. I, I could see this happening a bunch of publishers. You know, Dark Horse is pretty much where it is. Image is pretty much where it is. Even IDW is pretty strong. But I could see like a bunch of other publishers kind of bandying together to try to put their publishing together and it not quite working out. And then at the end of the day, all comics end up being owned by Disney, which would be a sad state of affairs. They're almost there with TV and movies. At least just let me have our co- let, let us have our comics. That's right. Hulu has fallen. Mm-hmm. Well, wasn't Hulu kind of sort of already stealth owned by Disney? Yeah, no, I think that stealth owned by Fox. And then when they purchased Fox, that's what happened. Right. So because I think that was part of the thing that was holding it back for a while mm-hmm. was that because they wanted that they wanted uh, Hulu and something in Europe where they would have more uh, like ways to, to do streaming stuff. And that was a big part of the deal. So mm-hmm. it was interesting. I don't know. I think in the end, Dis- I always said Disney is the corporation in Alien. In the movie, in the future, right. like the corporation. I'm like, it's Disney. Well, now, now they, they own aliens, so they could just put out a cut of that where the corporation is the good guys in the movie. Ex- yes, there you go. So a follow-up from last week, uh, there was a bunch of teasers that had come out, just kind of one-page deals of different creative teams, and we were postulating of what that could be, a series of books, maybe not, maybe some fill-in stuff. Well, it turns out that it's going to be a giant jam issue entitled Marvel Comics number 1000, uh, copy an A, get an A, with DC doing their Action <laughs> Comics and Detective Comics 1000, respectively. Uh, to be for the 80th anniversary of Marvel Comics. It's going to be an 80-page book, each with one-page stories, uh, a majority of them written by Al Ewing with uh, pretty much uh, every male creator in the world. Right. A couple, two, three women in there. Less said about that, the better. Mm-hmm. 
So this is is this the big idea that uh, CB Sabolsky was talking about that's going to sell a million copies or whatever? I don't think so. No, you don't think so? I don't think this is it. I don't think Marvel 1000 has the million dollar punch, Joe. No. No. I'll be buying it because it's primarily an Al Ewing book, and I Mm -hmm. like what Al Ewing's up to these days. I I do too. I'll probably pick it up unless they try to top DC with their 1000 issue and, and like double the price, which something Marvel would do. But I don't know right now, if it's, if it's a nine, what would, weren't those, uh, those uh, action and debt detective, uh, 1000s, nine ninety nine. I would assume this is going to be a $9 book. I hope, I hope so. Cause that would be uh, the price point that the other ones, I don't know if it's going to have the same punch as action and detective because those were actually made it to a thousand. And this is like, I want to see Marvel's numbering for the 1000. Cause like, you know, it's going to be spot on like all the other legacy numbering. Mm-hmm. And cause they would no way fudge the numbers to get that 1000. So we'll see. I don't know. I find it interesting, but I do like some of the talent on it too. So I will uh, be picking it up, and I know that somebody on there was uh, who's doing the book is Walt Simonson, who I had a chance to talk to this weekend. Last oh, week. you did? Where did you yeah. talk to Walt Simonson, Todd? At that convention, the Phillipsburg Comic Con in that yes. high school at, uh, that I said I was going to, and he was there, and he was discussing the 1000 issue, and basically, he didn't know what it was. Uh, basically, all <laughs> I, the editor just said, hey, Walt, would you like to do a one page story for us? And he was like, yes, I would. And write and draw. Yes, I will. And what character would you like? I don't know. Thor. Okay. It's done. Write it and send it in. (laughs) It's like, I didn't know what, 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 what Marvel 1000 was. Right. Till like they put out, I don't know when exactly he found out, but I found that amusing. So again, you can't be, listen, you can't be stooging this stuff. Ahead of time, you don't know which one of those hundreds of creators that you have on that book is going to be the one that stooges it off to the dirt sheets months in advance. What? That never happens in comics, Joe. Oh, my goodness. Happens all the time. That's why they're trying to keep these things a secret. But that's interesting. They're just like, yeah, you want to do a one-page book? Who do you... And it's not like, we have an idea. It's going to go in this. And we ha- we'd like you to do one of these, like, six characters. Do you have any ideas? I like just the whole loosey-goosey uh, method of it. I do too. I I don't know if maybe they did that with everybody, but you know, like maybe they were just going to a couple people. Hey, one, because I imagine the whole thing isn't one page stories. You know what I mean? There might be some longer stories, some shorter. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe this is a bridge. I don't know. Walt's a nice guy. That's all I'm gonna say. (laughs) So we're talking about it. How was the rest of the convention? It was fun. I got some. I got some some artwork done at. low low prices because they had the the good brother hometown discount joe oh yeah 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 it was nice because they knew where they were and what they were doing and they're um the the thing about it is rags morales is like part of the art uh like uh whatever you want to call it correct curriculum there so he gets people to come and blah blah and they're obviously not gonna be like hey we're from new york let's you know like the new york cons five hundred dollars for a doodle you know what i mean or whatever but uh so yeah they had those they had uh, they had lee weeks there they had rags morales they had walt simonson um franco was there i was talking to franco he has a he has a project coming up later this year uh it's called uh 
Superman Smallville, something with that. Uh, that's that's interesting. Uh, uh, I think actually, unless I'm mistaken, you know how Free Comic Book Day had the for DC had the teaser thing of the Catwoman deal, right? It's not going to be like a like a prose book, right? But it's under that imprint. It's like ink or zap or flip yeah, or whatever. That's it is. what he said. It was there was ink and zoom. Yeah, it's one of those. I think it's in the June solicitations to be coming out for October. Right. And then I asked him why he, the, him and Franco aren't doing Captain Carrot. And he said, we don't know. We think there's a whole deal there with those characters. Mm. And I was like, oh, okay, because I think you'd be perfect. I want – you guys did all those plushes and stuff like that. I would kill for Captain Carrot plushes. And he was like, yeah, we do it. But, well, I have this small Superman Smallville thing coming. And we're, I was like, oh, that's really cool. Um, I'm trying to think if, uh, like I said, I didn't, nobody else really was I, I wish I knew that you were going to go bother Franco. Cause I, from listening to his podcast, I could have given, given you some stuff to say to needle him a little bit. Oh, give him the Iggy to, to, to gently rib him. Oh, we know how much you love doing that to people. <laughs> But yeah, yes. so it was a good time. I, I I got some art for myself, which will show up in Art Attacks. I got art for other people, which will show up later in the show. Right. And uh, I, all in all, I had a good time. Though, our good buddy DJ who drove, uh, it was me, Josh, and our good buddy DJ. Um, our good buddy DJ has been demoted to just our buddy DJ. Uh-oh. Because on the way in, we passed a place, like, like literally, like, like half a mile from the school, there was a place like a, a hopping joint called Manhattan Bagel, and he would not stop in the morning, and that that created huge beef between me and our buddy DJ that we have to overcome now. So well, he's we'll still he he's still my good buddy DJ. Well, dude, listen, a half a mile you could have walked, or at least when he when he got out of the car, you could have pushed him down, taken his keys, and commandeered his vehicle. Right. Maybe it was a mile. I don't know. It was out of Todd walking distance, but in maybe somebody else's walking distance. Gotcha. You know, and it was, you know, it was warm. It was a little warm. I didn't want to. It was sunny. I don't like the sun. I'm like a vampire. I need to plan. I need to plan better for next year because I really want to go to that convention. I missed it two years in a row. It was fun. Like I said, there was only a few dealers. I would equate it to a Scranton Comic Con with bigger talent. Mm hmm. And I don't mean that as a shot, like, but like you have Lee Weeks, you have Walt Simonson, like it's been a while since we had those kind of names at uh, a Scranton Con. So. Yeah, A listers, right? A listers, and and Lee Weeks and Rag Morales, Rags Morales, and everything. So right there, you had three three big names. You had Walt Simonson, um, Fabian Nice was Fabian there. Fabian Nicenza was on the list, yeah. Right, Joe Kelly was there, so it was like that's some big, that's some big time, big time names. Obviously, there, uh, Fabian and Joe aren't in my wheelhouse of like favorite comics, so I, you know, I wasn't like, hey, you know, uh, X Men and whatnot. So, right, but I know you is, did. Joe Kelly do Deadpool? Joe Kelly did the best run on Deadpool ever. Yes, right, the swear pool version. Oh boy, right. So no, you could have talked to him. You could have had a good time, but you didn't yeah. want to go. Well, again, uh, Pikachu hunting took uh, precedence, and you can listen to some of how that went over on After Dark this week. Oh. Now, you mentioned some uh, vendors were there, right? Right. Now, did you get a chance to look at any of the prices on some of the comics? Like, the the comics on the wall, if you will. Oh, you mean the wall books, as we call yes. them? Yes, yes. 
I didn't I didn't get to look at the price, but I saw some of the wall books that were there, and there was a lot of modern stuff that seemed to be on the wall. So right. So Todd and I are kind of woefully, maybe blissfully unaware of what are hot books, right? We, we're ignorant of it, right? Because we're not really secondary market buyers, right? For the, for the most part, you know, um, and especially since. If something is hot, it's more so of like, oh, well, I'll wait for the trade or I can get it digitally or there's other ways to get it. So before we did the show, Todd had mentioned to me that he saw a bunch of books that we talk about in the show regularly that are selling for like crazy money. Right. No clue that they were until I found out. Right. Just sitting in a box that I own, you own, you know, like. (laughs) Like we had this, we, um. We've discussed it on the show before. Uh, Naomi from the Wonder Comics books over at DC, mm-hmm. written by Bendis uh, and uh, was it uh, David uh, David F. Walker? I believe so. So uh, first issue of that averages for about eighty bucks mm-hmm. online, uh, and then you know I noticed there was a story this week that Immortal Hulk is like this super hot book now. Yep, and I assume that that being a super hot book is no coincidence that Al Ewing is the primary driving creative force behind Marvel Comics number 1000. Right, and even those Al Ewing books, or the Al Ewing books, the, the Immortal Hulk books that are hot, they go back to a book that like that he got, the Paul Jenkins run, I think, of Hulk. I don't know if that's right, but it's a definitely no. an older... What? So, no, no, no. So, it's all about this Hulk, this quote-unquote Immortal Hulk Return of Banner, all that sort of stuff. Yes, not, but there are two issues that he gets an idea from that have shot up in value, too, now. Okay, those are issues of... Because right now they're doing an Avengers Weekly series. Mm-hmm. This is the previous Avengers Weekly series from, like, two years ago. Right. Where one is where Banner returns, and then the other one is where this current iteration of Immortal Hulk has a full debut. Right. So they aren't even written by Al Ewing. He was part of, like, the creative force behind those two books. And then it was like, oh, well, we brought back the Hulk. Here's the Hulk in this Avengers book. Who wants to do a Hulk book based on this iteration of the Hulk? And it was Al Ewing. Right. Can I just say something before you go on, Joe? Yes. Devil Hulk, right? There was a book, Incredible Hulk, Volume 2, Number 13, by Paul Jenkins, Ron Garney, and Sal Buscema. Mm -hmm. That's, um, I forget, that's 2000. There's a in one of those issues, Banner's getting a talk to from Doc Samson, I guess. I don't know on that, whatever. But he's like, every day I'm afraid because there, you know, I've had Professor Hulk, I've had Mr. Fix It. But deep down inside, I know that I have a devil Hulk inside me that if it ever gets out, it's going to be bad. And they cut like to his psyche and they show a picture, whether it's a picture of a devil Hulk in a cage or whatever. And uh, Al Ewing has said, yeah, maybe that's where I got the idea for this. Boom, through the roof, like all the other books. <laughs> but, so, so, okay, so that sort of thing is crazy. And then I was looking at what the going average price mm-hmm. for the entire run of Immortal Hulk is. I can't even imagine. Okay, so single issues, first print, non-variant covers. Right. To get all 16 issues, how much? $280. 410 Woo! 
specific note issues are issues two, where it's the first appearance of Dr. Fire. That is a, on average, low $100 book. Dr. Fire is on fire! Right. And then uh, issue 13, which is the first full appearance of Devil Hulk, is going to net you minimum 50 bucks. Right. Okay. I'm not sure what to do with this information that I have. Right. Because, you know, even if, you know, these are approximate prices and no comic is worth more than what any one person is willing to pay for it. Mm -hmm. But if you go look on eBay and you look at these sold listings, you will see there are multiple people paying between $70 and $90 for a first print of issue one of Naomi. Right. You will see there are, and when I say multiple, I mean like two to 300 people paying over $100 for issue two of Immortal Hulk. Now, are all these uh, best offers or are they straight up? They, they're not the crossed off best offer. These are sold listed green number prices. Right. But sometimes even when you get a best offer, what what it sells for. Do they tell you exactly what it sells for sometimes? It, it'll clearly say it'll, you know, it'll show like, here's what we had it as. Mm-hmm. And it'll be like a crossed offer thing. It'll be a crossed off thing. And it'll say like, took best offer. Okay. So I didn't know what that. that is. So I didn't look at those. Right. I just looked at the ones that actually don't have any lines through them and don't say took best offer, gotcha. like closed sold listings. So do I sell my books? I, I, <sighs> I'm with you because on another, I'm just going to go off on one more because what all started this was I looked up on the wall and the, uh, the, uh, Donnie Cates Thanos 15 was on the wall. And I was like, well, that's not the first appearance of cosmic ghost writer. Why is that so much? And you're like, well, oh, and, and I'm like, well, what, what are you asking for? Oh, a hundred dollars. And I'm like, 15, number, Thanos. And he's like, yeah. He's like, oh, and they looked it up and it was the first origin of Cosmic Ghost Rider. And I'm like, where they like say who he is or whatever. And I'm like, okay. And now I have to do that equation because it's like, now if it, if it was me on Naomi, I haven't read it. So I don't know if I loved it, it might change it. But I'd be like, Naomi, gone. But Immortal Hulk and like Thanos can't go because I have almost like a complete run of great Thanos books. So selling it to make that money back, never knowing like it might, you know, not come down. It's not worth it. The immortal Hulk. I don't have a lot of Hulk run other than Peter David. So that's the one that gets touchy. And I don't know how long can these prices hold Joe? There's, there's a lot of these out there. You know what I mean? I think my life is better not knowing this information. I agree, because then uh, you don't have any decisions to make. Right, because uh, I know there had been sites that would kind of do, like, older books. I know there's a bunch of stuff, like, uh, that tie into Avengers Endgame, right? Right. And I don't want to get too spoilery, but just as an just as an example, Hulk 377. Right. First appearance of Professor Hulk. Which I will always call the Ultimate Hulk, but you do right. what you do. Uh, that shot up in value. Right. Um, the first appearance of, you know, this person doing this, that shot up in value. Uh, the first time that this person is now this person, that shot up in value. Uh, right. All the key moments in, in, you know. Right. If it's a key moment in the movie that was inspired by a comic book, that comic book is now shooting up in price. Right. And that's okay 
because those are books that I either already own, have already existed for years and years and years, and I have no real interest in getting them, right? Mm-hmm. Like my run, and, and that's another thing, like a, a run of like Amazing Spider-Man. I'm not going to break up my run of Amazing Spider-Man. I'm not going to break up my run of Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. But I can just scoop up like the four issues of Naomi that are here when issue five comes out, read it through, flip them, buy the trade for nine bucks when it comes out, and have mm-hmm. a profit of $80. Right. Buy more comics. Right. So... It's now, it's better not knowing this information, I think, on new books. Yes, because like even as Guardians of the Galaxy was one was another one. Just because somebody said as Guardians of the Galaxy in the book, poof, issue one, which is not that old, went through the roof. And I'm like, it's, but it's three months old. Right. I'm a cosmic guy. I, I can't get rid of this book. I can't sell it. I have that Hulk three seven or whatever it was for whatever 77 was i'm not getting rid of that but like i said if i had some of the other stuff that i maybe you know but i don't know i just look at it as if i had the all these books just laying off on the side i would sell them all and buy a key silver age book because i just know that they're that's gonna hold you know what i mean mm-hmm. i still can't wrap my head around something new being worth a lot of money you i just i can't came out less than a year ago Exactly. And there's so many out there and so many nice copies. That's the other thing. It's not like, you know what I mean? Everything's not going to be 9.8 and 10. Right. And then, uh, yeah, we're not even getting to grading these books and CGCing these books. But I'm just using that as an example is that, like, the, the reason Silver Age is expensive or Golden Age is because they're rare and the better condition is even rarer where I'm like, a lot of people are like, even if you're buying unslab nine sixes, I'm like, they're everywhere. You know, like mm-hmm. you go to any comic shop, they had them on the wall for a month. <laughs> you know? I don't know. I just have a weird mindset. Can't get around it. Right. But I wanted to discuss it because we were discussing it. Yes. I, I kind of figured we were going to discuss it when the text messages just stopped. <laughs> and I was like, save it for the show, dummy. Right. Well, I don't want to get too much into it, but I was actually home and I had to eat dinner and do my chores. So. Oh, you have chores? I do. I just lay on the couch and in my own filth most of the time. But anyway. So I will say this. One, one set of books that will probably be going up in price is the past Marvel Summer swimsuit issues. Because they ain't making no more, as we had talked about on the show about a month or so ago, that Marvel was going to do the new summer special, we can imagine all the fun they're going to have with it, all these things, and now, uh-uh, that ain't going to happen because that got canceled. Right, and they even said, most likely not to be resolicited, because by the time you do, like, we're in May now, so that'd be June, you know, it's two months, so if it can't, if it was in the June solicits... It'd be June, like, we'd, we wouldn't be getting it until fall, so how could it be a summer special in fall, Joe? Right. That's just ridiculous. Maybe they can somehow retrofit it for an election special at some point. Ooh, that would be good. Mm-hmm. Let's jam our swimsuit special in the election special. Right. Well, we had a contract that said we had to publish it, and there we go. Now right. we'll find it's it published. here. It's out there now. So, last but not least, of course, uh, we're at two weeks in a row that the date on Doomsday Clock has not moved. (gasps) 
it is still allegedly scheduled to ship on May 29th. I think it, I think it's going to ship on May 29th, or they would have moved it already. Mm, well, there's still time because I'm just saying other books are moving as well. The last issue of Heroes in Crisis has now moved to come out the same week as Doomsday Clock 10, and that has led people uh, to speculation that now somehow these two books are going to be entwined because they're coming out of the same day. I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true at all because. Doomsday Clock already is minimally three months late. Exactly. So it's not like when Tom King was writing Heroes in Crisis 9. He's like, I hope that this lines up with this other book that's already months late, already well past its deadlines. I don't know what's going on with that. But again, we we talked about Heroes in Crisis and how that kind of slipped a little bit, but picked itself up with issue 8. I'll be interested to see where issue 9 leads things to. Uh, one can only hope that we get more Booster Gold coming out of this. Mm-hmm. Not crazy Booster Gold, by the way. Right, not crazy Booster Gold. I hope they stick the landing, because I wasn't happy with the last issue. Oh, you didn't like uh, of Heroes in Crisis? Not not the reveal of Wally. I thought, oh. I, I'm not, I'm a, I'm, I'm a guy who's not happy with that. But, you know, I'm not going to go on thing and say this was terrible and that was terrible and this is terrible and game of thrones is the worst tv show ever because people you know didn't live up to their expectations it just it just wasn't what i it didn't it, he seemed out of character to me so right. we'll see what happens there's one issue to fix everything so to make the other eight seem like they didn't mean anything exactly and then who knows what will happen when doomsday clock 10 comes out 11 comes out exactly three months after and 12 comes out in november of this year well, this is a good enough time for me to mention uh, the mailbag, as we did get uh, an email from one of our listeners. Right. Uh, Jesse, longtime listener of the show, sent us an email saying, after taking an extended hiatus from comic books because of a certain Match 3 puzzle game that he's now retired from, he's back on the comic bandwagon. However, he was worried that he would be completely behind on his reading past the point of no return. Thankfully, he could rely on Doomsday Clock. Because in his absence, he's only missed one issue. And he says, thank you, DC, for being there for the recovering Puzzle Quest addicts that are looking at a new lease on life and a chance to catch up on the reading. I can't wait to finish up this series sometimes in the 2020s. Or November 2019. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see how that works out. I still feel confident in a bad way because I want this book to be out already. You know, I want it to be out and done six months ago when it should have been if it was on a two month, uh, you know, a bi-monthly schedule. I mean, how could they hold it up any more, Joe? That would just be impossible. (laughs) Just want to check one thing, though, before we finish up the new segment. (laughs) You're checking to see if it got pushed back. Just in case. Nope. Nothing. Well, tomorrow, t- t- later today is another story. Mm-hmm. Moving on to conventions, and there is a ton of conventions going on this weekend, Todd. Mm-hmm. Boy, howdy. So, just to name a few, there is the Cottage Country Con in Orillia, Ontario, Canada. Jim Shooter, Mike DiCarlo, Leonard Kirk. And uh, one half of uh, the tag team Rhythm and Blues, Greg the Hammer Valentine, will be there. 
Will he have hammers to sign? Uh, if he doesn't, he's a fool. Oh, yeah, I agree. Uh, also, while you're in Canada, check out, I don't know how close these things are to, to each other because I don't know how geography in Canada works. Comic-Con Revolution in Ontario, Canada. Uh, Tim, uh, Tim Bradstreet, Dustin Nguyen, Nick Spencer, David F. Walker, Amanda Connor, Jimmy Palmiotti, and Jake the Snake Roberts will be there, Todd. Oh, buddy, I hope he's playing cards. <laughs> if he's got a bag, ask if he's got a can of coffee in there. Okay. The Tidewater comic book convention in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Ryan Otley, current artist on Amazing Spider-Man, and Mick Foley are going to be there. Oh, ask him what day his birthday is. Yeah. Oh, that's right. The uh, the Nickel City Comic Con in Buffalo, New York. Joe Jusco and Rodney Ramos are going to be there, as are Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, Eric Bischoff, and Axe and Smash of Demolition. And I know we've been down this road before, Todd, mm-hmm. but you know who Smash from Demolition is. Isn't he a man of repoing? He is a man of repoing. And uh, I know that's a sore subject for him, but it's not a sore subject for me. And I would have a ton of Repo Man questions to pester <laughs> poor Barry Darsal with. I would, if I was there, I would just show up with the with his Repo Man song playing and just dance towards him. Just do the Repo Man creep to him. Oh yeah, just be like and giggling and be like and have my my hook with a rope. Just be like, <laughs> yeah. And I would actually get the see. This is how I hate my life that I know this stuff. I would put I would put tire uh, tread on my black shirt with a pocket. And I'd put it right over the pocket. So oh, it'd be beautiful. It'd be Repo Man Junior. <laughs> and again, we're not done with the conventions, Todd. The NCS Fest in Huntington Beach, California. Uh, Charles Adlard, uh, artist on Walking Dead, and a rare comic book convention appearance of Ed Brubaker. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, you don't see him out and about it much. That, that's right. Uh, the Puerto Rico Comic Con. John DiMaggio, voice of Bender, amongst many other people. I think he played for the Yankees, too. No, you're thinking of his dad. Okay. And Bray Wyatt is going to be there. Oh, my goodness. Isn't his brother part of the uh, Social Outcasts? The, the B team now, but yes. Social outcasts. If Show some respect, Joe. What? Any of our listeners uh, are going to the Puerto Rico Comic Con and you're going to go meet Bray Wyatt, let me know because I got a lot of questions for Bray Wyatt about uh, <laughs> what's going on in the World Wrestling Entertainment Television program. Normal things. That's what Normal you would things. answer. But, Todd, that's not even the end. There's, there's not, not one, there's not two. But there's three humongous conventions going on this weekend. Oh, my goodness. There's the Motor City Comic Con in Novi, Michigan. Okay. Comic book guests. Alan Davis, Doc Shaner, Eddie Barrows, Asad Ribic is going to be there. Jim Calafiore back on the scene. He's been off for a little while. Jim Lee, Steve McNiven, William Messner Loebs, Tony Harris, right? Wow. Huge comic guest list, right? Wow, that is a murderer's row right there. Okay, now, on the entertainment guest side. Okay. Brandon Ralph. Oh, my goodness. David Tennant. Wow. Henry Winkler. Hey. John Cleese. A silly walk? Meatloaf. I'd do anything for love, but I won't do that. 
George Takei. Oh, my. Oh, my, indeed. Shawn Michaels. Who? The Heartbreak Kid, Shawn I, Michaels, one half Shawn, of the Rockers. Oh, okay. The guy who uh, got who threw Marty Jannetty through a plate glass window? That's right. And Pauly Shore. Uh, the Weasel! Right. Then, out in our neck of the woods, at the Meadowlands, the East Coast Comic Book Convention. Which I wanted to go to, by the way. I know, because it's one of the few non-fetish-con um, appearances of George Perez. Right, which I think is how he, I think he's. Is this the week that he goes to Fetish Con one day? I don't know. I'm pretty sure. I'll, I'll take the hit on my browser while you're talking and look up Fetish Con. Okay. Uh, so George Perez, Simon Bisley, Brett Breeding, where have you been? Uh, Barry Kitson, Ron Lim, Al Milgram, James O'Barr, Denny O'Neill, John Ostrander, and Salty Keith is going to be there. Keith oh. Giffen himself. Let me just say if you go see Salty Keith, Get a Mark photo with them and send it to us. Yes. I've sent Joe a bunch of them, and there is nothing happier than Salty Keith in a Mark photo. If I go to a convention, he's there, I'm going to tickle him in the picture. <laughs> oh, my goodness. No, I don't think so. I think there's 85 days to FetishCon this year. Okay. August. It's in August. That's the one. He does split it with a Comic-Con and FetishCon, but go ahead. Uh, also at that convention... Dr. Demento is going to be there. Oh, my goodness. John Glover, voice of dozens of people, and also Lionel Luther from Smallville. He was in He was in Shazam recently. That's right. And Larry Storch is going to be there. Oh, from F Troop? Mm-hmm. It is Balloon! That's uh, whose acting school Kelly Bundy went to in Married it, with Children. Exactly. And sad news, her grandfather passed away today, Tim Conway. Oh, What's a Tim Conway? Uh, about about 130 pounds. There you go. <laughs> yes, Tim Conway was awesome. He was the best. Yes. But he was uh, Kelly's, or not, uh, he was Peggy's father on Married with Children the last couple seasons. <laughs> but go ahead. Married with Children had more in common with the Cosby show. <laughs> like, didn't like Peggy have like six families? I think so. And they were all famous jazz musicians. Yes. Uh, but the I would say, with all these media guests and comic book folks, you would think you'd be tapped out, but no, Todd. Mm-hmm. The only thing that gets the comic book professionals out more than a free trip to Hawaii mm-hmm. is the Lake Como Comic Art Festival in Cernobio, Italy. Oh, my goodness. That is, okay. a, that is a heavy hitter. Expensive okay. con, but go ahead. Okay. Art Adams. Oof. Librahimo. Wow. Simone Bianchi. Yep. Kelly Jones, Dave McKeon, Humberto Ramos, and Gary Frank. What? Oh, Gary Frank. <laughs> Gary Frank, huh? Yeah, Gary Frank's going to Italy this weekend. I probably draw a doomsday clock on the plane. Yeah. That way, Joe, if he goes back to before the, the international dateline, he can get pages done before it's today. That's right. Oh, it's a it's a wibbly wobbly tiny wimey scheme. I mean opportunity. <laughs> While there's a chance that some of our listeners might be going to the East Coast convention, there's a lesser chance that they might be going to the Puerto Rico convention. I highly doubt any of our listeners are going to the the con in Italy. But if you are <laughs> I think you know what you have to ask Gary Frank. That's right. Why his characters are so toothy. I was going to say why issue nine was so difficult to draw. 
Oh, okay. But a heavy weekend of conventions, Todd. Oh, Dios mios. <laughs> all the links to all these conventions will be in the show notes, of course, over at longboxheroes.com uh, for this episode. And also with a link to be uh, soon to be named network.com, soon to be named network.tumblr.com. We're all the shows in our group, like-minded individuals. Whenever the episodes come out, you will find them there. Whenever the folks in the network appear on other shows and they let me know, those will also appear there as well. But you can always count on us, Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Arguments, Podvocacy, Wrestling on the Edge of Forever, and, uh, you know, we're almost getting past that bi-monthly schedule for the latest Fresher and Parlance, but I'll be checking uh, this Friday for that one to come out. Isn't Fresher and Parlance, uh, Fresher and Parlance on the Doomsday Clock schedule? They're on their own. They, I think they invented the Doomsday Clock <laughs> schedule. Okay. I, I do know that Fresher does as much traveling as Gary Frank does. <laughs> okay. But he has an excuse. He has no deadlines to meet. But he draws more than Gary Frank. Oh, boy. So, like I said, all that will be in the show notes, of course, as will some of the digital sales and freebies this week. A uh, few of the leftovers, of course. The Marvel stuff is rolling out for some new um, Marvel stuff. There is a Marvel Origins sale where they do the reprints of different people or people's origins. Uh, the more recent ones, those are included in this. Uh, so it's like a real hodgepodge of stuff. It's more or less anyone that's involved in the movies mm-hmm. has stuff in there. Um, like the Jay Lee or the Jay Lee Paul uh, Jenkins in Inhumans is included in this. Uh, the first trade of the Abnett and Landing Guardians of the Galaxy is included in this. Uh, the first trade of the Matt Fraction David Aja Hawkeye is included in this. So this one's a really interesting sale just because of the kind of hit or missness to it. So definitely check that out. You'll find some gems there. Uh, then there's a Savage Avengers sale, kind of relating to the upcoming Savage Avengers book. If you're in the Savage Avengers team, then you have books in this sale, whether you're Daredevil, Wolverine, The Punisher, or Conan. Uh, IDW has Ninja Turtle stuff on sale. IDW also has Judge Dredd stuff still on sale. Dynamite still has James Bond stuff on sale. And DC's sale this week is entitled Binge Worthy Reads Sale. And again, this is a lot of like, oh, great starting points. And here's a bunch of just like, it's all graphic novels. Um, Batman Year One, Dark Knight Returns, as always, but... Uh, on sale, of course, is entire runs of Alan Moore Swamp Thing, Fables, Preacher, Sandman, Transmetropolitan, um, Why the Last Man, A Hundred Bullets, The Big Dogs. Yes. So, you know, if you've been waiting on those, you can get the entire run of Preacher for less than $36. I would recommend that. You can get all of Alan Moore's Swamp Thing for less than $36. (laughs) You could sell your copy of Naomi Number 1, buy both of those books digitally, and still have enough to go get yourself a Happy Meal. Oh, I would be happy without the meal. Yes. 
so that covers that. Uh, the same freebies are there from uh, last week, but don't make a liar out of me, Marvel. No, they're oh. still there. They don't uh, need to. It was, yeah, we talked about it. It was Indestructible Hulk number one, Infinity Countdown number one, Killmonger number one, and Shatterstar number one. Outside of that, Indestructible Hulk number one, the other three are uh, first issues of miniseries as is, is released within the last year. So it's interesting to see some newer stuff get included in these. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's, Todd, move on to what we read from this past week. Sure. I'm going to take point on the book that we were both most looking forward to coming out this week, which was Wonder Twins number four. Oh, okay. Uh, Written by Mark Russell with art by Stephen Byrne. No relation. Mm -hmm. Uh, The loose thread of this is uh, that Zayna and Jan are interns at the Hall of Justice for the Justice League, and Lex Luthor has his Legion of Doom, and then, of course, there's the, what is it, the the low-rent version of the Legion of Doom? Right. So they're having a mixer at the same hotel where uh, the, what is it, like uh, the science fair is going on? Right. No, I think it's... uh that was earlier in the day and then the mixers at night and Jaina has a date with somebody and he asked Paul, she asked Polly to come along and that's where she goes. And then while that uh, is going on, Zan is going to see a movie with a girl. Right. Because I, I only get a little bit confused because at the end of the issue, Zan is like, I'm going back to the science fair. And it's like a day has gone by. It's nighttime. Where right, are you going? He's going to the uh, he's going because he thinks you, there's a lot of women who are looking for dates at the science fair. Mm-hmm. That's just his logic. Uh, you know, he's like, he just says, he doesn't mean he's going right there. He just says, uh, you know, things didn't go well on his date. And he goes, besides, I'm young, still plenty of time to meet women at the science fair. He doesn't mean he's going there right now. He just means there are going to be many science fairs and that's where you pick up dates. His logic is sound, of course. Right. I like how much of a dope Zan is. It makes me happy that he's such a dimwit. Uh yes, I have a little problem with that story, part of the story, but okay. Yeah. Basically, it's it's Mark Russell saying that you know the whole like, and I've seen it online that the friend zone doesn't exist, and you know it's good, you know the whole thing with men are only after one thing, and if they don't get it, then they 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 they. they they don't like the person anymore. And I've seen, I don't think he's joking a lot here that like, and the guy's like, Oh, you're in the friend zone. And he's like, yeah, we're friends. I made a new friend, but in the end they're making, they're making Zan look like a chump. You know, I don't know. It's hard to explain. There's a lot of weird stuff. Maybe I'm on the internet too much. That's all I know. I think you're on the internet too much. Right. But anyway, and then, uh, Zayna goes on a date with a burgeoning supervillain. Red flag. Right, red flag. And then um, I thought, I okay, so I really like this episode, this episode, this issue. Right. And I thought it did a very good job in a very kind of, I don't want to say light way, but kind of dealing with some ideas that maybe a teen or preteen might have about dating. Okay. And how to act and how not to act sort of thing. All right. Fair enough. I see it differently. Okay. But I don't know. I just feel that it was, 
I, I I don't I don't know how to explain it, and because I don't know how to explain it, I'm not going to explain it if that makes any difference. Because I don't feel I just feel like it would be a waste of time, and I know my brain that I'm not going to get my point across. So on this one, I'm just going to yield the floor. All I know is there's a panel of Rainbow Raider Mick having a having a delightful conversation with the Joker's daughter, and that's enough to make me happy for this issue. Right, and then of course we get uh, a lot more with uh, the girl in the oh. school. Like the the I guess it's more or less the C story, if you will. Right, but it's like the the deeper, darker story of all this light, frothy stuff that's going on in this book. Jana's friend Polly, whose father has been blackmailed to work for uh, the the Legion of Superheroes. I forget what their their lower club's name is. He's being strong armed to work for them, and Polly ends up finding out that she he's still working for Luthor, even though he said that he isn't, and that's creating a rift between them. Right. And the fact that Luther is blackmailing him to work off his debt and killed his wife mm-hmm. and would have killed him and the daughter if they were home. Well, at least the daughter, because I think he still needed him. Oh, okay. Right. That's so, what he was saying. He's like, killed the, killed the mother as a message to me. And luckily the daughter only missed it by minutes or she might, she might be laying there next to the mother, which like you said, is a very dark message for a book about picking up dates at the science fair. Right, and getting your blue circus monkey in the mail. But the best part about it is the Justice League could take the night off and get the Legion of Super or the the Hall of Justice floors waxed because they know that they're uh they're they're having their mixer and will not create crime at the, the all night. I, I like I, there's a lot of stuff about this book that I love. Okay. So we were kind of lean on books this week, <laughs> right? So I suggested Todd, I'm like, hey, got any ideas for a book this week? And Todd suggested that we read this book. Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man number six. Mm-hmm. Uh, written by uh, Tom Taylor and art by Juan Cabal. Cable? Cabal? Sure. Uh, we we get names wrong on this show, I've heard somewhere before. But I want me to take the, the lead on this book, uh, Joe? Is that what you're saying? Yes, please. Okay. Basically, this story starts out with uh, Spider-Man, you know, fighting Doc Ock, and his new sidekick shows up called Spider-Bite, and they end up, you know, fighting uh, Doc Ock, and then slowly the vulture shows up, and there's, you know, a golden brick that's like the, uh, what's the name of the thing they use in movies? Um, The MacGuffin. Right, and they're fighting, and more villains are showing up, and then he's they're figuring out it's the Sinister Six, and then it turns out to maybe be the Sinister Sinister Sixty, which is an idea that I really really like. Um, and then we find out that the person behind the Sinister Sixty is Stiltman, and you know it just keeps getting more and more ridiculous until we find out that it's an adventure that uh, Spidey is having because he's gone to a uh, award for uh sick children and he's helping this kid who has something wrong with him i'm guessing it's cancer because we found out earlier in this run that aunt may has cancer and this is seems to be the place that she's going for uh rehab and stuff like that to take care of it and we find out that the little kid's sick and his day was he wanted to spend it with spider-man and we have seen 
this story kind of before in Spider-Man. I've actually read it a couple of times, but it always really hits home. And I really, I, I mean, I don't know how much you can enjoy it, uh, but I thought it was a, a really good story. And I thought it, you know, it was a one shot that was, was, was fun and heavy at the same time. And it was drawn beautifully. Uh, I like Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Mans, and I'm just wondering what Joe thought of this issue. So, as I'm reading this, uh, of course, uh, because it's not part of the regular Spider-Man universe, I'm already going in expecting something a little bit light, right? Mm-hmm. And then we start right off the rip, where it's an off, it's an it's an out of model, out of date iteration of Doctor Octopus, and Spider-Man's got a, a little boy sidekick. And all this sort of jazz. And I go, okay, it's a fun story, imaginary story, and so on and so forth. And as Todd mentioned, where we get to the point where there's the reveal uh, that Spider-Man is helping a sick kid, right? And then there's the part where he talks to his parents. Mm -hmm. Now, I only bring this up because uh, this was just one of those things where it was like, oh, we need another book. Let's throw it on the pile. Um, We have a friend... um, They have three kids, uh, two boys and a little girl. Middle boy uh, had cancer and beat cancer about two years ago. And they just found out this past weekend that he has to go back for chemotherapy. There's a giant mass in his chest. And, you know, they're going through everything again. And he is a little nine-year-old boy named Nathan. (laughs) Just like in this story. Oh, boy. So, uh, this one, uh, once I got to that point, this one, like, kind of really hit home for us, because, you know, Saturday afternoon, while I'm out gallivanting with Asa, doing all of our Pokemon stuff, you know, I'm getting all the messages and everything of else of this going on, you know, and mm-hmm. it's Ace's little friend. Uh, so, I'm going to mention it here, and I'm going to include it in the show notes with this uh, issue, of course. Uh, if you head over to fa- Facebook, it's uh, facebook.com. Uh, Nathan Crush Cancer. If you want to go and see uh, how everything is doing and some of the fundraising stuff that they now have to kind of rekindle after letting everything go to the wayside after two years, just all of a sudden having to, you know, they thought they were out of the woods, you know, and they they always tell you after like a year, after what, how long did they say it really is? I don't know. Right. So, you know, it was it was well over two years, and there was no signs. Everything looked to be okay, and then just all of a sudden, one day, take him in for a test, and it's back. Hmm. So, uh, Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man number six. <laughs> Go, uh, I don't know. If, if it so moves you to do so, do so. Okay. Uh, so there's that. That's what we read from this past week. Uh, let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, If you head over to longboxheroes.com, every Tuesday around 5.30 Eastern Time or so, we put up the pull post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, however it is that you get your books, uh, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out. Now, unfortunately, I'm falling a little bit behind. Todd has three correct guesses over me. We'll see how things go from here. Right, and I go first, right? Right, we attempt to pick what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week, yes. I'm looking over your list. Is the book you are looking forward to most War of the Realms, number four? 
It is not. Oh, boy. With, is it Mortal Hulk? It is Immortal Hulk number 17. You do love your Immortal Hulks. I do. And the last couple epi- uh, episodes, issues of Immortal Hulk have fallen on the same day as War of the Realms. And really, you know, obviously 1, 2, and 3 were part of it. 3 felt like the most filleriest of them of all, as we discussed in the show last week. So just because of the dip in momentum from 3 to 4 with the current surge in popularity that I didn't even know that I was reading one of the hottest books <laughs> currently being published where Marvel is touting that it's outselling Batman for this month. Wow. Um, right. So I, I was unaware of these things. I'm just like, Hey, it's a good book. I'm reading it. I didn't know everybody else liked it. I'm glad everybody else is reading it. I say that all the time. I, I long for the day where everyone reads all the same books that I read so that the books that I like don't go away from poor sales. That's a good model. I do like that model. Yes. Uh, so I think the book you're most looking forward to coming out this week is War of the Realms number four. Yes, pretty much by, you know, attrition. That's the the book. There's a lot of good stuff coming out this week. But I'm still on the, the War of the, Wel- the Realms bandwagon, so we'll see. Right. I know you hate it now, so. I don't hate it. It's just one of those <laughs> things know. where... This is one of those ships crossing in the night weeks where War of the Realms is down a little bit and Immortal Hulk is up a little bit. Right. And that's all there is there. Do I have? Yes, I do have that. Correct. So while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out all the other posts that are there, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark, the 2017 Smash Sensation, Todd and Joe Have Issues, and, of course, our store, where you can purchase stickers and pins and shirts with our fancy logo on them. And if you want even more fancy shirts, check out our T Public store, where you could purchase all sorts of Longbox Heroes, soon-to-be named Network, and at odds with wrestling designs and uh, inspired designs. And who knows, maybe even more designs coming in the near future. And also, I would be remiss to mention that sometimes... T Public does a sale, and typically those sales go up well after we record the show. But I just want to see is there one going on right now? There is not, but they don't have just shirts over there. They have all sorts of different things that you can get with our logos on them, whether it be notebooks or mugs or cell phone cases or stickers or anything that you want. Yes. So check it all out. Mm hmm. And last, of course, but not least, while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out our Amazon link across the top of the page. Uh, it will not cost you a red cent more to purchase your normal things through Amazon, but it does give us a couple red cents on the back end. Makes Todd happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the money. Some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click-through this past week were someone purchased a Marvel Legends comic action figures two-pack of Claw, the menacing master of sound? What is he, the blank master of sound? Claw, the the murderous master of sound. Murderous master of sound. I knew it was something with an M. Show um, some respect, Joe. It was, because... it's, it's Claw and Shuri together. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone also purchased a Makey Outdoor Premium Hammock Hanging Kit. I buy most of my hammocks in the hammock district, but you should buy them off of Amazon or click-through. Right, even though they don't get in the hammock with you on Amazon, <laughs> our click-through works. Right. Uh, 
Somebody also pre-ordered uh, a new collection coming out of Birds of Prey of the Gail Simone run entitled Murder or Mystery and Murder. And somebody also purchased the Snow Joe slash Sun Joe Eco Sharp Lithium Battery. Mm, a uh, lot this, of Joes in there. Right. This company, Snow slash Sun Joe, is a new, I think they're, they might be an Amazon Direct type company because I do see a lot of their stuff pop up on there where they do a lot of electric powered um, outdoor stuff. Your snow blowers, your weed whackers, your lawn mowers, your so forths. Mm-hmm. And I did have a lawnmower incident this past weekend, and my father-in-law was talking to me about how much he loves his electric lawnmower that he just recently got. Really? Because I, yes. I, I'm a, I'm a gas guy all the way. I don't know. I don't know if I could switch to uh, the electric lawnmower, but I would like to hear his uh, argument. Right. I'm a gas guy too. Typically, they have to be plugged in, and you have to have an extra long extension cord for them. But now they're selling these uh, batteries, and the batteries have like you know it's a whole big long description of the the shelf life of the battery and everything else like that. They're pretty fancy. They're kind of like um, a lower end version of what you would see in your Tesla type cars. Got you. But you know, smaller because it's for a lawnmower or something. Right. You're not driving your car through your lawn. I would like to. <laughs> I just like to drive my car up onto my lawn. I listen. I would like to change the whole thing to astro astroturf, then never have to worry about it again. I think there's laws against that. I don't think there is. I think there's drainage laws. Nah, I don't think there is. <laughs> uh, but this one specifically that was purchased is for the snowblowers. So I guess right. they could be used on other things. Uh, 40, 40 bolt as I'm like stuttering and stammering here. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, of course the, the company is like, Oh, cord free operation, no gas oil, tune up pull cords or tangled whatever's. And then the, uh, battery, uh, gives capacity of up to 50 minutes of a whisper quiet runtime. Oh, that's what I want. Mm-hmm. I like that. Uh, I like the fact that my gas-powered mower covers up my bodily noises while I'm doing it. Right. I put the same headphones that I put on to record this show. I put on when I mow my lawn, so I don't have to hear what I'm up to while I'm mowing the lawn. Right. Yes. So I. Th- oh, uh, Todd, did we have any art attacks this week? We had a few. From Dulascar, he wrote uh, the highlight of my young son's free comic book day, his first pro sketch ever. Be careful, they're addicting, son. Uh, thank you again, Kyle Strom. He loves it, and he ended up drawing him uh, a little uh, Darth. Uh, which one, which Darth is that? I get all confused. That's Darth Nihilus. No, not Darth Nihilus. Uh, Darth Sidious. I think so. No, Darth Sidious was Darth Maul. I'm a mess. Darth, I honestly couldn't think of it. I couldn't oh. think of it. Um, also, our buddy DJ posted up an hour man by Rags Morales, who was at the Phillipsburg Comic Con, and he did a beautiful uh, hour man. And he was very happy to do an hour man because he is very tired of doing Hawkman sketches. I think that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> um. But he did a beautiful job on a piece of artboard for uh, our buddy DJ. And finally, um, I put one up, but it wasn't for me. It was for uh, the Summer You, Scott. Uh, it was a uh, Thorfrog or Throg 
um, that I got from because he's the biggest uh, Walt Simons, Simonson fan I know. Um, but it's a beautiful little piece. And I love the way Walt Simonson does it. He He does this bit where, especially at a smaller con, he's like, all right, I have a... I have a panel to do in about 25 minutes, half hour after, after it opened. And he's like, anybody who wants signatures, you go to the front of the line. Anybody who wants sketches, I will be doing that. After the panel, he comes back. There are other people getting uh, signatures too. But as he's going, he's basically, here's my spiel. I were, I'm part of the, the hero initiative, which gives money to, uh, retired or elderly or people who have done comics who don't have any uh, health insurance. And I take a little bit of extra money that you have and give it to people who are more needy. And if you don't want to give to the hero initiative, that is 100% fine. I will still draw you a sketch, but I just want you to know that's why the cup is there. It's none of it is going to, to me. So in the end, me and, and Josh and our, our buddy DJ ended up putting, you know, money in the cup for our sketches. And I actually, uh, you know, got that. Josh got stuff. So the, hopefully they'll all show up. But in the art attack. But Walt was a class act and just a fun guy and talked to everybody on the line. And just if you get to meet him, he's he's a legend in the industry. Um, like I said, if you get a sketch, throw him a few bucks for the Heroes Initiative. Or or not, I'm not going to guilt you, but he's a good time. Go meet him if you can. All right. So, And again, I'm telling you, I'm going to try to work that schedule so I can actually get to go to uh, that Phillips, Phillipsburg convention next year. Or work another one and go to a con with, uh, with me and Josh. We'll there see you we'll go. work on it. So I think that's everything outside of the TV talk, of course. Yes, I think we just have TV talk left. Right. So if you're not interested in TV talk, thanks for listening. Uh, episode 450, Long Box Heroes. We'll see you all here next week. And then we'll give everyone a second or two to skedaddle while we uh, discuss The Flash, The Legends of Tomorrow, and The Cloak, and The Dagger. Now, uh, I do want to say, as we get... Let's start with The Flash, since that's the oldest of the two. That's fine with me. Right. So, I, uh, you know, I always have my IMDb up as we're looking at this IMDb. And I like how they've taken to calling Girl Cicada, Cicada 2. They even do that in... Don't they do that in the, the show? I think they just primarily call her Cicada, because I think as far as they know... Uh, big dumb dopehead from, or big dumb meathead from American Pie is like dead or incapacitated or he doesn't have his powers. Mm-hmm. So I don't think they know that he is still involved in all this because he's not making himself publicly known. Right. Even though he's supposed to be dead, but I think she, he's just in her head. I don't know. We'll find out most likely next week. But yes, that's the, the gist of it. Right, so this was an episode where everything was in. Everyone was in, all of Team Flash, including Cecile. <laughs> they may not have all been in the same scenes together, but everyone was here. So that's always a positive. And we get a little bit more of Sherlock this week, and a little bit more of Ralph this week, as Sherlock is kind of torn about his girlfriend, who he knows has powers, but he doesn't want to tell her that he has powers, which kind of leads into weeks past, where Cisco has a girlfriend, but he hasn't told her that he has power. He hasn't told her that he has powers. So it's all of that going on there, because they're attempting to stop Cicada 2, Girl Cicada's plan. 
but of course she's a few steps ahead of them. However, Nora feels, since she has access to the dark speed force, the evil speed force, what are we calling it now? The reverse speed force, I think. The reverse negative, force. Negative or reverse, I, I always forget. Right, because she has that and because she had previously gone inside the memories of current day still in a coma little girl cicada, they still have a connection. So if she can kind of like access the dark speed force and because of that connection she might be able to catch a glimpse of where cicada is but it might be too dangerous and this is more building up that trust between wally or wally uh barry and iris with nora after what we had the two episodes previous and then again of course everyone's trying to figure out what the plan is how to stop cicada they got to get those daggers off or they're going to use the uh, Mirror Master's gun to zip them away, right? That's the plan. Right, which I forgot to mention last week. They got from McCulloch uh, Industries, which is the Scottish uh, Mirror Master that came later in the Grant Morrison run. Right. So I thought that was cool. That was something I forgot to mention last week. And it looks exactly like the Mirror Master's gun from the comics, which I love when they do stuff like that. And unless I'm mistaken, it wasn't one of the other places that they went into – was Simone Industries as well, or was that this week? That was last week, I think. Okay. Simone Industries. Right. Where so they were I, cooking I, up all the parts for whatever thing, uh, the thing to dis- to kill all the people with powers that Girl Cicada, Cicada 2 was building, was one of them, was Simone uh, Industries. Right. So while they're all doing this, Ralph, something's not adding up to, to Ralph regarding the daggers. He's trying to figure out like how the time travel works and the different timelines. And all that sort of thing. Right. And while they attempt to almost get the drop on Girl Cicada, and they're going to zap her daggers, it all finally comes together to Ralph that in the far future, it has been all Thawne all along. That's right. Because he figures out, she says something that I never had. The dagger, you know, you could, the, the dag- I have powers without the dagger. Because in the future, future me doesn't have the dagger. Because she still has the piece of the dark matter in her head. Right. He figures out that it's not the dagger. She's just able to use it. So who has the dagger in the future? And we end up finding out that it's under Thon's vest. Mm -hmm. Which I think they haven't explained and I haven't watched it yet. Uh, Because it was on as we began recording. Uh, I think they were using it because it strips powers. It was what was keeping him in the cell. It was dampening his powers. Oh, okay. So you and don't think that Thawne is behind all of this? I think Thawne is behind all this mm-hmm. to d- destroy the dagger so in the future it will disappear and they won't be able to dampen his powers. Gotcha. That's his end game, if you will. Mm-hmm. No pun intended at Marvel. You know what I mean? So that's it, – it, I could be wrong, but that's what I feel that it's going to be. That makes a lot of sense. And this and the episode that aired as we're recording this, this is the season finale, right? Yes. Uh, next week we'll be last talking about the last episode of Flash. Of this season, anyway. Right. And so, then I think, what are we at? Well, I think we got two more episodes after this of Cloak and Dagger, but or three actually, but only one more episode of uh, Legends of Tomorrow. So, I don't know. Let's talk about Legends of Tomorrow. Okay. Uh... Again, we got one more episode left to go this season of it. 
and we get to see Neron's plan finally coming together mm-hmm. with the smarts that he has uh, from Ray. He invents an app called The Eyes that allows you to out monsters in the world because we're being invaded by monsters. Mm-hmm. And if you use the Eyes app and catch a monster, this is where this is how you could share that information with all of your other people who are on the Eyes app. Right. But there's a catch. Right, because of course, no one reads the small print on these sort of things, and that's how Neron's plan is going to work. Instill fear in people that there are monsters around. The only way that you could see or stop or catch the monsters is to have the eye app, the eyes app. And in the fine print, when you install the app on your phone is you get he gets your immortal soul. Right, when you click the user agreement, that's uh that's a contract with the devil and you lose your soul and that's he's trying to acquire souls to make a power play in hell. Right. So there's our main story. We got a lot of other stuff going on of course where the fairy godmother is attempting to get Gary to do something directly so that she could hurt the legends, right. but Gary just wants to use those powers to make the legends like him more. Right, and even though he's torturing them a little bit, he's not giving in. He's like, I'm trying to, you know, keep it at bay uh, of just doing this, like doing a little bit and maybe, like there is a little bit personally that he wants to hurt them, but he's like, I could be hurt. She wants me to hurt you a lot more because you sent her to hell and Neron's like trying to keep you distracted and everything like that. I could destroy you, but I'm trying not to. It, it, to me, it's really weird. And also, he gave himself a third nipple because, you know, you always need an extra, especially if you're Gary. So there's and then John Constantine is attempting to make the deal because he's in hell. Mm-hmm. He's going to meet with the triumvirate to get Ray's soul back. Right. But of course, they now forgive me, because, again, we watch a lot of shows and everything does get jumbled from time to time. Right. The girl, the other girl that they try to sway Constantine to choose to save her soul instead. Astra. Is that from the Constantine TV show or did I forget this from Legends of Tomorrow? That is from the Constantine TV show and is it a pivotal part of in the comics John's origin. Okay. When John when John was younger and in a punk rock group, he was traveling and he had his his friends, they were all into the occult and everything. And he was, you know, coming into his powers and and stuff like that. And he went and he saw that this little girl Astra was possessed. And he ended up trying to save her and in the end sent her to hell. And that's the legendary, if you've ever read any John Constantine books and they talk about the Newcastle incident, which is, which ended up making him crazy and sending him to an asylum, that this was it. And in the series that the Matt Ryan series that was touched on and it was never really finished because the, the season was canceled. So it looks like they're carrying over some of that storyline here. Uh, right. And that, that's what I assumed. It seemed familiar from the comics. I'll, I'll right. admit it's been a little while since I've read that iter- you know, those earlier issues of uh, right. Hellblazer, John Constantine. So I just figured if it is from the previous TV show, you would know about it. Yes. Yes. I'm hoping that they figure like do whatever they do and 
which Astra, there's a whole bunch of stuff they did over the 300 issues of Hellblazer where she came back a couple of times. And I think they're going a couple routes from there. But yeah, I like this this era. And he ends up, they end up going, well, the triumphant's going, we're going to give you a choice. You could take Ray or Astra. And Ray's like, you need to send me back so we can stop Neron. And of course, he takes Astra, the young girl. And we find out that while she's been in Hell, she's grown up. And Hell has uh, tainted her. Poisoned her, if you want to call it, made her hardened her, hardened her, Uh, uh, made her cruel. And she wants to torture him along with everybody else because he basically sent her there. And by doing that, the deal he makes with Triumphant, her not wanting to leave makes the deal null and void. And he's stuck there being tortured. Um, I really like that whole aspect. I really like the John Constantine aspect of this episode. But I I watched the old show. So, of course. Right now. as as important as as crucial as all that is, nothing was more important than the sea story with uh, Charlie and Zari going around with the dragon egg, right? Doing whatever they were doing, and then Zari accidentally leaving the dragon egg for her younger self to raise, right. so it could imprint on her and be big when we need it later, right? But the most important part of the sea story was the fantastic wig that Zari was wearing for the majority of the episode. Go look at Zari in this episode up until the last scene where her and Nate get back together and they kind of talk about what they'd been up to for the previous episode. Zari's hair in that last scene is completely different than it is in the rest of the episode. And I'm not, and again, I, it's Legend of Tomorrow, so I would like to think that she's wearing a wig, but she may have just had one of those bumpets in. I don't know if you've ever seen a bumpet, Todd. Uh, isn't that like a knockoff version of Kermit the Frog? No, a bumpet is like this thing that you could, a little clip that you could put in your hair that moves your existing hair up to make it look thicker and fuller by an illusion. Okay. So her hair is completely different in the entirety of the episode until the last scene where it's back to normal. I'm going to say she was wearing a wig for no reason other than the fact that if they didn't use up enough wigs for the season, then they wouldn't have more wigs in the wig budget for next season. Well, what about what's better, that wig or the wig they give Steel when Gary's punishing all the the legends, makes um, uh, Mick the baby, makes Ava and Sarah tap dance, but then makes uh, uh, Nate look like him, like a like a gangly kid from high school. He's got the pimples and the and the braces, and then he has that haircut. He has the mullet wig on. Yes, which one's better? The wig. I think. I'm going to give the wig that Nate wears as the nerd a pass only because I think it was supposed to be done for comedic effect. Right. Where you don't think uh, Z's wig was done for comedic effect. I think she was in disguise personally. Mm. So when they went to, when they went to Palmer tech where it's in the Palmer of your hands. What? No. Upon, Upon worthy of you. Yes. I was like, I may have marked out a little bit. I may have popped Joe for that. Of course. <sighs> so I, I feel as though Flash and Legends of Tomorrow are amping themselves up to some fine season finales here. Right. Hopefully there'll be some singing in the Legends of Tomorrow season finale. We got dancing in this one. There's got to be singing. There is because it's the fairy godmother and we need. Oh, and also in this, they made Nora the fairy godmother. 
Right, so that the uh, fairy godmother can go full witch. Right, Tabitha. Mm-hmm. So. so oh, I think a good episode. I, I think this last season was a little bit better, and I think this mid-season finale with, like, the puppets and Z as a cat was all better. I want to see if they stick the landing, so. Right. Uh, I, I thought the first part of the season stumbled a bit, but the last couple episodes have been really, really a ton of fun. Right. So, l- last cool. but not least, uh, from TV Talk is Cloak and Dagger. Right. So, what do we got? This is more of a Tyrone episode? Uh, yes. With well, Okay, so it's... M- we barely got any Tyrone last episode. This one's a little bit more split evenly between the Tyrone stuff and the Tandy stuff. Mm-hmm. The Tandy stuff is her being part of, and again, I'll just call him Despair at this point. Right, just do that. Right. Uh, his cult, essentially, that he has. He has this motel that he has taken over, all of these runaway girls that are there, and it's essentially like a Jim Jones or whatever cult du jour you would like to paint the brush with that's essentially what he's doing with this right but i think it's a little different i think he's just running a brothel to tell you the truth but he's you okay but here's the thing he's using the powers of despair that he has to take their hopes away from him right but in that he's hooking them on drugs to like it's not much further than what you'd really do to do what he's doing do you know what i'm saying right i've i and again look, i've been listening to a lot of podcasts late, lately this one specifically called necronomapod did a five plus hour epic on jim jones and everything that he did there and a lot of the stuff from all the books and the case studies that jim jones and any real cult leader did you know isolate the people you know put one person in charge tell them that no one's looking for you anymore this the constant thing of the constant supply of drugs the the thing that you know you can't exist without us and right you're free to go anytime you want but you're not really free to go anytime you want like all that stuff is being worked in to this seamlessly and obviously yes he has the you know essentially running a brothel but it's also so that he could fuel his powers right i think the the and i know we're getting deep into this i think what he's doing is is everything normal like to do to to have not so much a cult like you said but whatever he's doing there at the hotel feeds his powers then his powers making what's going on at the hotel do you know what i'm trying to say yes okay so I, I, as long as we're on the same page so then with all of this uh despair or uh tyrone goes looking for tandy Despair kind of gives Tyrone a little bit, like, I think he was a little bit too aggressive with Tyrone when he showed up. Right. To make Tyrone suspicious and go on the trail to find out where Tandy was. I think he could have just had a better lie and just be like, yeah, I don't know where she is. I think it, I think what he was trying to, I don't know, and I think there's going to be more to this with the cloak uh, and Tyrone's half because of the way the episode ends. But I think he was trying to just get him out of there, wind him up, and then use his powers on Tyrone to get him doing wacky things. Do you know what I mean? Like, to mess him up. And then while that's going on with the records, evil uh, O'Reilly, which is Mayhem, goes in and starts messing with, with all that. But before that, we get despair going to see Tyrone's girlfriend's mother 
to figure out certain aspects of symbols that she's seeing. He's seeing because she is a, like, you know, a, a voodoo priestess or whatever you would call it. Sure. So that, that was interesting. And he took her to the record place, the mall in the dark force. Is that what we were calling it? Uh, dark force dimension. Yes. Right. So he was in there and he's manipulating her and we're not sure. Did he end up killing her? Cause he no. did the whole thing with the slowing of the heartbeat on the record. And she's laying on the ground in the house. Um, I don't think for sure she's dead because right. it's difficult how these sort of things really work. Right. It's one of those, it's part of the, the basic concept of this, the, this and last season of Cloak and Dagger. Sometimes you'll see stuff and then they will explain it next episode where you're left to be like, is she dead or is she just knocked out? So, but I was wondering if maybe you saw something that I didn't. No. And then we have, like, I guess the C story with all this, where Tyrone's mom has Detective Connors in the house, and she just wants to know where her son is buried. Which I thought was a, was, like, with everything going on with the wackiness, and I don't mean wacky, but, like, the powers and everything... Uh, the scene with the mother and Connors was powerful. And she's like, you know what happened on the day my son died? I cook because that makes everything normal. And I'm just going to make this dinner while you're explaining to me what happened. And then I'm going to decide what I do to you. And to me, the normal of it to decide whether she's going to kill this guy or not is very dark. Do you know what I mean? Yes. I really like that scene. What did you think? I really like this episode. Um, I and again, I'm always there for when Tyrone and Tandy get together and they work and they do superhero stuff. Right, because this is the part that I really want to talk about up to that point, which horrified me when uh, Despair made and the girl, uh, the, his his assistant, were going to drug Tandy and make her, you know, become part of this cult, and he ends up what he was calling baby birding her with the drugs. I was as, as like, you know, in my mind, I was horrified by that scene, but how it kind of broke her. And then she ends up getting hope from the girl because she tells her all this stuff. Like, Hey, you may be the one in charge here amongst the girls, but I helped rescue these people and they're all lying to you. Look into this. And she does. And it looks like, the hope that she has gives Tandy her powers back. And while she's doing that, uh, O'Reilly in the, in the store is smashing the records and Tyrone's like, well, I'm coming to get her and he's driving the ambulance and all these scenes coming together gave me goosebumps. I, the music, everything. And Tandy like wakes up, she gets the light dagger, reaches through the wall, gets the despair's assistant and like, you know what? You're, you're the worst and I'm getting everybody out of here. And early in the thing, they're like, you, what am I going to do here? You're going to mop the floors. And she's like, the, the cult girl is like, what are you going to do now? She's like, I'm mopping the floor. And she just starts throwing daggers through walls and crashing through walls and beating people up while cloak is doing like what I call the blink teleporting from, uh, X-Men, uh, days of future past and O'Reilly smashing the records, ruining the control that despair has over people. And I'm like, this scene right here might be one of the best scenes in all the series so far where it's all coming together, cloak and dagger fighting the music, the direction. I, I can't tell you how much I love the last five minutes of this episode of cloak and dagger. 
Yep, and then this is at the end of the episode after all of that cloak uh Tyrone kind of dissipates. He right, can't he passes keep, out kind of a deal. Right, and he can't keep his shadow form together. Which I think is you know how like the girl having a little bit of hope help Tandy? Yes. I'm thinking all the despair in the hotel is overwhelming Tyrone. Right. Now, I remember this, and I'm sure someone... I'll be honest with you. I haven't read a ton of Cloak and Dagger comics. Right. But I remember in those original comics, their pairing together was, because of whatever was going on with the Dark Force dimension, Tandy was able to keep this from happening to Cloak. To keep him from completely dissipating or becoming part of the Dark Force dimension entirely. I I guess I... I always understood it as he would be absorbed by the dark force dimension unless she fed it with her light. Right. Which was the hope feeding the despair, if you will. Right. And then we're going to get that officially happening, I would assume, with the next episode. Her figuring it out, yes. Right. Her figuring it out. That's the better way to put it, yes. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I, as As... Cloak and Dagger goes on, and I know, like, the bumps in the road with you of, like, them fighting. I think we're starting to see the team, like, the team of Cloak and Dagger really come together. I'm hoping this is the last bump, and we can go from here, and we'll have Cloak and Dagger. Because, like, when they are together, this is one, this might be my favorite right now, uh, when it's good, comic book TV show. I think the best part of all of this is how unconnected it is from everything else. Like, you mean all the Marvel stuff? Yes. It exists. It's Marvel stuff, but you don't have to watch all this other stuff, and it's not tied in anything else. If this is the only Marvel thing that you watch... You're fine. I, I think you get an enjoyable, uh, an enjoyable experience. I'm going to put it this way. It's like reading a comic in the 70s. Honestly, it's it's self-contained. If something is mentioned, like they have mentioned in the past, like O'Reilly's from New York and she knew basically a cop with one arm, which is Misty Knight. That's a good Easter egg. Put the little asterisk in the corner and say, see uh, Misty Knight comic issue seven. And that's all you need to know is that occasionally it doesn't ruin it if you don't understand it, but if you do, it makes it a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And and that's what it feels like. It, and that's why uh, when we discussed a while back on the after dark special of all the, the things of the Marvel movies, why I have Iron Man so high, because that's before all this started. I could sit down and watch Iron Man and it's, it's not everything you need to know. Everything's integrated and mixed. And, you know, we have synergy, Sometimes I just like the story that I'm watching to be the story that I'm watching. And even the Netflix shows, sometimes they, they, they were a little too intergrained and and, like interwoven for my taste. And that's why I love Cloak and Dagger and like CW and Arrow, uh, Flash and Legends of Tomorrow, they cross over and you feel like you have to watch them all sometimes. And this week, speaking of that Arrow, the last eight minutes, was was just led right into Crisis on Infinite Earths next year. Like, literally, I, the monitor was in the episode. <laughs> so, 
Like, I'm like, okay, I don't know if Joe wants to see these last eight minutes because to me, this is the official kicking off of Crisis on Infinite Earths. And I'm wondering if we're going to see any of that in Flash, the next one, because, you know, that's going to kick off next year's Crisis on Infinite Earth, too. Well, being that this is the first, this is, uh, not the first full appearance of Crisis on Infinite Earths in the Arrowverse on the CW. I'll make sure to purchase this show, uh, and then years from now, it'll go up in value. Oh my god, put it with your Naomi's, put it in a in a bag and board, and save it forever. Right, a bag and back, and I'll save it forever. Bag I'll burn board. it onto a DVD. Right. But yes, Cloak and Dagger is really good. Um, it was just something, you know... When first season came out, it was something kind of unexpected, and it was just like, yeah, we had nothing to watch, so it's like, oh, let's give it a try. You know, it's starting, it's not connected to anything, and uh, here we are. It's really good. If you're not checking it out, do so. I think um, with free, I wouldn't be surprised if it's on Hulu, since Disney owns everything. <laughs> right. But during the course of the show, there's like this thing that comes up of something with on the Freeform website. Um, you just have to like sign up or some nonsense like that. There's no fee or charge or anything like that. But I think you can watch it like a day after it airs officially. Right, I think so. But I'm not 100 percent sure. You're the tech guy on the show. Yes, the tech guy. All right. So I think that's everything, huh? I think so too. All right, everybody. So. Thank you all for listening to episode 450 of Longbox Heroes. For Todd, this is Joe saying thanks for listening, and we'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Boop!